Welcome to the Physician Wellness Lounge hosted by Dr. Yashoda Baskar, who is board certified in internal medicine and a diplomat of the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. She is also an ICF certified life transformation coach and a certified money coach. This podcast features physicians who discuss wellness and balance within and outside of medicine. It covers a wide range of topics around this theme with some wonderful advice and practical tips that you can start incorporating right away to improve the happiness quotient in your life. We hope you enjoy this episode and please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen to it. And now here's your host, Dr. Yashoda. Welcome to this episode of my podcast, and I'm so happy to introduce to you guys today, Dr. Christopher Liu, who's an MD, PhD. He is a surgeon, a serial entrepreneur, investor, author, consultant, executive coach, and a keynote speaker. Dr. Liu received his MD, PhD from the medical scientist training program offered jointly through the Baylor College of Medicine and the Department of Bioengineering at Rice University. A member of the Valhalla AI Healthcare Startup Advisory Board, where he directs digital strategy, Dr. Liu achieved financial freedom by the age of 29 and FIRE in 2016 through his multiple passive investment income strategies. After traveling the globe for a year, he started his consulting company in 2017 to spread awareness about the importance of financial literacy among the physician community. Dr. Liu is a four times Amazon author, including How I Quit My Lucrative Medical Career and Achieved Financial Freedom Using Real Estate, has been a contributor to Kevin MD, Seek 2018-2020, Passive Income MD's Leverage and Growth Summit, and the White Coat Investor Financial Literacy and Wellness Conference in 2021. Dr. Liu has his own monthly career success membership program, along with a rapidly growing 780 plus member private Facebook group called Financial Freedom for Physicians, and he has been named by Board Vitals as one of the top 50 MDs to follow on Instagram. Well, welcome, Dr. Lou, to my podcast. I'm so glad to uh, have you come on. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on the show. And I'm happy to um, offer my wisdom and expertise. I love it. Yes, I think we have tons to talk about. So this is great. So Dr. Lou, if we could get started by you um, just telling our audience a little bit about your journey and how you came about all this money stuff at a you know relatively young age. <laughs> sure. So my, my journey is actually very um, unique, um, inspiring, as well as uh, very entrepreneurial. And um, it's really uh, out of the box because I grew up at the cusp of the industrial age as, and right when the um, baby boomers and, and Gen X and millennials. So, uh, I, you know, I grew up uh, w always as the outsider. Um, you know, my parents, they were first generation immigrants. And, uh, you know, I was always surrounded by um, people that were more popular, more wealthier than myself. So I've, at an early age, I attempted to differentiate myself by uh, going against the mainstream and also adopting different ideals. So part of that was uh, that honed my entrepreneurial instinct. 
And so part of that was because I, because I didn't, I grew up with not having a lot. So I developed a very entrepreneurial instinct. So my modus of my MO from, from day one was always to be financially independent and financially free. And what that meant was that I would never need to apply for a job. I would never need to depend upon a job. I would never need to depend upon a boss or the government, social security, pensions, you know, all of these things that um, uh, were touted by the industrial age. So early age, I started a lot of uh, businesses, a lot of them failed, you know, some of them did very well. Um, and like I said, I was always the entrepreneur. I went to Baylor for medical school, part of the MD PhD program. And it was during my PhD years at Rice when really my entrepreneurial ventures really started to take off. That was a hub for um, a lot of uh, innovative ideas. That's where nanotechnology was starting. So, and I was uh, surrounded by a lot of creative, very smart individuals. So I started two companies involved in uh, stocks and as well in options trading, as well as real estate. And so I was very successful at it. So by the, my senior year of medical school, I was already generating a, a full-time six-figure income, you know, uh, without really needing to depend upon anyone for extra income. But, uh, but like I said, you know, I came from, you know, very humble beginning. So a lot of my parents and my um, siblings, my wife and my peers all encouraged me to pursue the traditional route uh, for my own benefit. So, you know, I went that, um, I matched into orthopedic surgery in 2007 at Rutgers University, but uh, that was more just to, you know, go with the mainstream and, you know, please my parents and, you know, society. And it wasn't really my passion. So I, I did it for two years and there was just one day where I, you know, I was, I couldn't look myself in the face because I just wasn't passionate about it. I didn't want to spend 120 hours per week in a career that really I didn't have any passion for. So um, I, uh, I resigned and I started uh, my full-time real estate entrepreneurial company. So from 2008, that was at the peak of the financial crisis. Um, and from 2016, I, uh, I invested in single family residences. And so by 2016, that was, I was 38 years old. Um, I had, I had become a um, multimillionaire. So I, I really didn't need, um, I could pretty much was set for the rest of my life. And I could really focus on um, things that I really wanted to do. So I took a year off to, um, travel the world. And in 2017, that's when I really realized that this whole issue that um, physicians weren't really financially literate and uh, needed more awareness about um, financial literacy, wellness, balance, career balance. And that's, that's why I started my consulting company. And so I'm happy to take any questions from there. Wonderful. Wow. It's been quite the journey, hasn't it? <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're clearly very accomplished and very smart because you didn't just like go to little, I mean, you went to some big schools and did some big stuff, right? Like even in the medical field, even though it sounds to me like maybe that wasn't quite your passion, but, you know, you kind of, you did that too, in addition to everything else you've done. So, so Dr. Liu, um, what are some maybe challenges that you faced as you've been building up this business aspect of, of things? Because, you know, being an entrepreneur and especially outside of medicine, it takes a certain skill set that almost is, can't be taught, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I really, 
really, um, the, really the battle was within myself because, um, like I said, I, I've, I was always the outsider and, uh, for a long time, I always thought that being the outsider was actually a disadvantage. So that's, you know, that's why, you know, I pursued the high paying professions that, you know, I went through the, um, I was always pursuing status and prestige and really worried about, cared about what other people thought of me, you know, what kind of clothes I wore, what, what, uh, kind of car, where I live, et cetera. So really the, the, in the, really the battle was internal. So really, uh, caring about what other people said about me, uh, trying to live up to this, um, ideal and standard that really wasn't me trying to pretend to be somebody that wasn't me. And really that uh, for a long time, that's what I really struggled with because I, I always thought that, um, if you were a doctor, then you were, that was the epitome of success. You know, like I said, there's so many other definitions of success, you know, the successful mother, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, people involved in their community. So it all depends on your values and ideals. So that's one thing I struggle with the other. And then, so that really, um, really caring about what other people thought, you know, the fear of criticism, you know, really, um, paying a lot of attention to the naysayers and the haters and the sort of the people that um, held you back. But I think, um, you know, really with, with my success, there was one point where I, where I was able to just say, um, you know, I have to start to, if I don't live according to my own values and ideals. So 2008 was my first step towards really living my true self. And then 2016 was the next step. So, and if I didn't really follow those, values and ideals and I really wasn't going to be able to reach my full potential yeah yeah sometimes we come about it a little bit roundabout ways don't we yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um so having traveled through that journey and now clearly still very much a success right like I mean it's like if you've reached financial independence status um, that generally means that you can pretty much like lay on the beach in Hawaii, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and not worry. So what is, what is it, what's the drive that's making you continue on this path of continuing to help fellow physicians and serve them in ways yeah. that you have found meaningful for yourself? Yeah, uh, really the, my drive has been, um, you know, as, as doctors, we're really focused on um, one person, one person. So as physicians, we, or surgeons, we treat um, a patient, we treat a certain individual. So that's one-to-one. But uh, after 2017, I really um, focused more on leveraging, helping not just one person, but helping tens of people hundreds, thousands. So that's how I've, you know, I've leveraged um, technology, social media, and really getting my message out. So more of it's just trying to get the word out, get the message out. And, um, you know, with, uh, if you can, you know, if you spend an hour with a patient, you know, you help one patient, you know, at the end, we all have 24 hours. So, you know, you spend eight to 10 hours in your job, you're able to, you know, help 10, 15 patients a day. But if you, you know, if you're able to leverage that 10 to 15 hours to help, um, you know, potentially hunt, hunt thousands of tens of thousands and millions. So that's really my drive is to um, really find meaning, joy, and satisfaction, uh, live according to my values and beliefs, and then um, and really just uh, leave more of a legacy now. 
I like that. I like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about your experiences around financial literacy, especially amongst physicians? Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because like I said, uh, and this is where the outsider, me being the outsider really uh, helped because um, I think going through the whole process of pre-med, med, residency, fellowship, it um, it really uh, teaches you a lot of skill sets on um, goals and um, how to set long-term um, ambitions and, and actually set plans to achieve those. So that in itself is a, is a good thing. The only thing is, the thing is that, um, is that medicine is very, um, is very cultural. So there's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of stigma. There's a lot of rules, standards, um, and a lot of social, uh, norms that we have to abide by. But, um, like I was saying, really, we go to medical school. A lot of people go to medical school for the patients, for the love of patients. Some of them go for the income. Like we all enjoy very um, uh, bountiful and plentiful incomes. But the thing is um, in today's age, uh, a high earned income does not equate to financial independence or financial freedom. We have to learn how to leverage that earned income as well as all of our positive traits and attributes so that we can learn how to invest and produce residual producing assets so that we can slowly scale back and maximize our time and our freedom. So really, I think the whole cult culture of medicine, because people mostly think that, um, you know, physicians, um, you know, make a lot of money, you know, all physicians are rich and wealthy, but that's not really the case. Um, the other thing is that I noticed is that, um, you know, physicians as a cohort, we start our careers you know, eight to 10 years after the average individual. So the average individual, you know, if they're making six figures 10 years ahead of us, they have all that time to compound. So not only are we starting out behind, but we also have a uh, strapped with student loan debt. Uh, on top of that, um, uh, we have, uh, we have um, significant high earned income. So those are, is the most heavily taxed um, brackets. So what I really advocate is having a moderate amount of earning income, but having a large amount of portfolio, passive business and dividend income. So that way your tax rates are much lower. Um, and on top of that, you know, we have inflation uh, and uh, we suffer from um, malpractice, uh, lawsuits, uh, divorces and things of that nature. So really a higher earning income for physicians is not the only thing, but that, it, you know, we have to really get become more financially literate and aware of what to do with that income in order to get financially independent and financially free. Mm. Well, what about this whole, I'll tell you, um, this deferred gratification stuff that goes on, you know, because the flip side is, it doesn't honestly matter how much you earn if you're constantly mm -hmm. overspending, right? If you're mm -hmm. always spending more than, even if you're earning half a million dollars, but if you're mm -hmm. spending 600,000, you're pay basically going to always be in the poor house, right? right. So right. Where, where is that sort of fit in with, you know, because people come out and then they suddenly see big salaries, right? After having been a poor mm -hmm. medical student and, you know, somebody who's a resident who's barely making enough to make ends meet. And now they have this, this big salary. And at that time, I'm, I'm seeing, 
at least two things happening. There may be more. And one is the ones who are, you know, pretty, pretty with it in, in terms of mindset. They live like a resident. Yeah. They're like, I'm going to live like a resident for the next two yeah. or three years, right? I'm going to pay off my loans. I don't want to have any debt on my head. And then I can retire at, you know, 45, 50, whatever. And then yeah. there's the other group that's like going out there and buying the 10,000 square foot mansion and, you know, the latest, you know, Lexus or Tesla or whatever the car, <laughs> car mm -hmm. of choice might be. And then they're getting deeper and deeper into debt. So can you address that sort of phenomena and what yeah. you say would be, you know, maybe a good thing to think about at that point? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it's, um, the, that phenomenon is actually uh, because of Western uh, capitalism and Western consumerism. So uh, really what that leads to is a high consumption lifestyle. And it's something that um, leads to what, you know, it's called keeping up with the Joneses or it's called status anxiety, status envy. Right. Or the, really, or the hedonic treadmill, right? Yeah, like you can never race. get, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's really, it's really touted by the media because that sort of thing uh, gets a lot of views and, you know, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm reading, rereading this book, uh, The Millionaire Mind by Thomas Stanley. And uh, really, uh, you know, we celebrate the, the actors, the actresses, the athletes, the sports stars. And we assume that because in order to achieve that lifestyle, we have to have a, a very large income. So that's sort of uh, promulgated by the media. But uh, like I said, you can either meet your income to, you can either generate an income to meet your expenses or you can uh, make your expenses so that uh, it's equal to your uh, needs or your wants. So really, and again, that's, a, that's, la that's also lifestyle choices. Um, again, physicians have worked really hard. So am I, am I saying uh, go eat ramen every night and you know, don't spend any money? No, no I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, there's a, there's a point where we have to really um, start considering, you know, the, you have to start budgeting. And so uh, the, the, the hashtag live like a resident, 20% uh, savings, um, you know, don't get, uh, watch your student loan debts. These are all things that are becoming more and more important because, um, you know, if you, like I said, you can make $500,000, but if you spend, you know, 600,000, versus, you know, you could make a hundred thousand and you save, you know, you live off of, uh, you know, 10%, uh, 20% of that, um, you know, you can, you're going to get much farther ahead. So, um, and, and like I said, at least, you know, ha have a savings rate. Not only do you have to earn income, not only have to have to maximize your earning potential, but you also have to have a, um, a defensive play. So you have to, um, so you have to ma manage your expenses. You have to have a savings rate. You have to have investing um, and all of these play into um, a physician's uh, financial fitness arsenal. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a different kind of leverage, right? Like that's, you know, that's another way of leveraging what you're doing in a way, you know, your earnings, how well you're managing your earnings becomes, you know, very important as well. You kind of touched upon before we started recording a little bit around like mindset. Mm -hmm. right? Like there's this whole idea because, you know, as you know, I'm a money coach and I really deal more with the mindset than the practical things like, you know, you're, you're kind of doing the practical stuff of how to invest in real estate or how to leverage that market and, you know, ins and outs of it. But, uh -huh. you know, doing that inner work, because you've mentioned this a few times, right? 
Like it's about your goals and your values in life, you know, because honestly, if you ask, and not just physicians now, I'm just talking to the general public, right? If you ask 10 people, how much, how much do you think you need to have in the bank to like walk away from something that you're not really enjoying doing? And you yeah. get huge range of answers, anything from a hundred thousand to 50 million or, you know, just these insane numbers, right? And right. that to me represents that people haven't done their inner work. They haven't yeah. really sat down and said, what is important to me? You know, what, how do I want to be spending my time, my 24, my given 24 hours a day, because that's all everybody gets, whether you're, you know, Joe or you're Bill Gates, <laughs> we all get the same amount of time. And right. there's this sort of this insanity almost. And that's why I, I like the idea of balance, right? No, like you said, we're not telling people like, go eat ramen noodles every night, right? Like, I mean, as a physician, you're making good money. So, um, so, so can you touch upon that a little bit? It also doesn't like, I honestly, Christopher, I'm seeing a lot of craziness. I'm seeing mm -hmm. a lot, like I've just joined clubhouse and there's all these rooms about how to go from being a millionaire to a billionaire. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm. why, you know, and maybe yeah. that's just me because I'm a minimalist, you know, I fired, I didn't, I don't think we even celebrated our first million, to be honest with you. Like I have no idea when we crossed the million dollar mark because no. it just wasn't on my radar, right? right. Um, so so tell, tell me a little bit, what, is, what are your views about that, about people having these sort of, almost this weirdness around money, you know, mindset, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a great question. And I think, again, it's a lot of it's promulgated by the media. And, you know, like I said, they wanna encourage a very high consumption lifestyle so that they have to sort of um, tout these um, very high spenders, these celebrities, these public figures. And really, that's that's probably one percent. But uh, I'm. It's actually interesting because uh, you know I've been studying minimalism. I've been studying stoicism, and uh, there's there's a lot of uh, abundance and um, just everything is can be provided for as long as you provide the value. Uh, all of this thing where um, we have to hoard things and we have to. Um, accumulate a certain amount in order to be feel comfortable that's that's just um that's again that's promulgated by the media and that's based on a scarcity mindset um but i, I do think you need you do need a base minimum so like i said in order to to you know actually live comfortably in, in the western world you know you do need a base you know at least a million to five million you know that's for just to be safe and okay you know uh, without a job in, you know, if you want something more lavish and luxurious, you know, 10, 10 million plus. But like I said, you, you need a base, but um, a lot of it, uh, it, a lot of the mindsets is based on fear and scarcity. So I've been studying this, uh, this, this number, how much do you need to retire? So they said that 25 times your annual income, 4% uh, withdrawal rate. And I, I'm just thinking to that because that, that really doesn't make sense to me because that's just like a fixed number and so i what i what i talk about is cash flow so um you know you keep your expenses low um or you keep them you know within moderation and you uh create assets and investments that create cash flow that can cover those expenses and as your cash flow grows you know you can increase your expenditures so that's how you i sort of think of it so um that 25x with the four percent is based on a single number and it assumes that you have to have accumulated 
a huge amount in order to fully walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, go ahead. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I think you know there there's some. I guess it depends is what I would say. So it, I think yeah. the twenty five percent or twenty five x is yeah. not the income; it's your expenses. So that's it's important to remember. So, so it's twenty five x your annual expenses, which you yeah. and I both will agree. Half the world doesn't even track how much they're spending, right? right? Like if you pull a man off the street and say, do you know how much you're spending per month or per year? They look at you like blankly. So I think the very first principle is every every person really should be tracked. Like it's like your weight. How do you know if you've gained weight or lost weight if you don't step on the scale once in a while? And it, it's mind boggling to me that people won't take, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be Mint or you know some fancy app. It can be an Excel spreadsheet. You know, credit cards now give you what you've spent on. They break it down by you spend so much on groceries, you spend so much on car expenses, you know, whatever. Tracking doesn't have to be some crazy complicated thing, right? So first thing is to know your numbers, right? How much are you spending? How much is it requiring for you to just maintain even your current lifestyle, right? So right. that's the 25X coming from your expenses. The 4% rule, you know, came about from the, you know, they looked at it over like average. And you're right, I think is really talking about once you've accumulated enough, and like you said, it's a kind of a cash flow, whether you're getting like dividends, you know, capital gains, or from your real estate investments, you know, that's all falls under the bucket of, you know, cash flow. So you're trying not to dip into your principal as much as possible. And then if you can get that relatively four, but again, 4% is average. So if the market is doing really well, maybe you can bump it up to 5% and the downturns, you want to bump it down to maybe two and a half to 3%. So you're right. So it can't be these fixed numbers. There's still that flexibility, but I think it's that average is kind of, you know, going based on how the stock market has done historically speaking and so on and so forth. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, as long as you have, investments that produce passive income to meet your expenses, then that sort of frees up your time. So um, for example, you know, um, with uh, early retirement at 38, still at, you know, 42 and 45 and above, I expect my income to go higher and higher because I can invest extra time to uh, find more passive income producing investments. So that's, that's how I like to think of it. But, um, and like I also the, um, whole idea of just a single retirement, um, you know, you reach a certain age and retire. Um, I, I like more of a, I like more of a fluid and more of a, um, a uh, ever changing. So I like to think of like, you know, take a sabbatical or take many retirements. And um, that way you can sort of enjoy the time a lot more when you're younger as well. When as- you're younger and healthier, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point. I mean, you know, this whole, the way society has it set up, right? Like work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And then you retire at 65. And then the next day you drop dead. <laughs> I mean, you've heard, you've heard stories like that, right? And it's like, yeah, exactly. what happened? Like all this time that we worked. So again, a, a form of deferred gratification, except that there is sort of no guarantee at the end, right? So I love that idea of, you know, and I did that in my career where I dropped my FTE, I took a six month sabbatical, you know, and I think it let, gave me some longevity. I mean, I somehow managed to last 16 years. I might have only lasted five, you know, if I hadn't done that. So I think yeah. that's a great point to, to, to make as well. So, you know, 
physicians are super busy human beings just by definition. And honestly, I sort of was tempted at one point with real estate. And then I realized it's just like got such a steep learning curve and it's just too much effort. And, you know, my values and goals were like, don't go there. What is no. some, some of the advice you can give people who are like super busy, but might still be interested in um, getting, you know, getting their toes wet in like these passive income streams that you're talking about? Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, vehicles that, uh, f- that can physicians can leverage uh, because their most precious asset is their time. So, you know, if they don't have time, they can, they can always leverage their, um, like, the, like I said, their good thing is they have high earned income so they can leverage their income uh, to, to produce the, the, the gains. So, you know, if, especially real estate, um, a lot of physicians don't have time to either look or uh, manage or right. to, you know, they don't want to be landlords. So there's a lot of um, syndicates. Um, so right now I've, all, I've always been a, a direct owner in real estate, but like I said, you know, these type days, I really want to um, focus and scale my social media company. And uh, so in order to do that, um, I have to sort of step away from real estate so i you know hired property managers um but even then you still have to manage the the property managers so now this year i'm looking into syndicates so i'm learning about syndicates i've, I've never invested in syndicates but um you know i'm, I'm reading I, I picked up the book hands-off investor and i'm starting to talk to a lot of physicians that it, that are invested in syndicates to get their um you know to know the ins and outs the process the what the red flags what to watch for and things so there's syndicates there's always equities i mean you can't go wrong with equities so you know over 20 year period it, you're prom- almost it's almost uh i, I don't want to say 100 percent, but right you know you're the the market will gain you know right. plus with the with the fed printing so much money and low interest rates everybody you know in order to get gains you have to be in the market so um but like i said just paper assets syndicates um, and like, and then a lot of physicians, uh, if they're self-employed or they have their own pra- practices, they can invest in those as well. So, right. That's definitely another, another way to just invest in your, instead of a side gig, invest in your main gig, if you will. Right. Yeah, exactly. um, and, and grow that and scale that and like hire more people to do the yeah. work. So that frees up your time and all of that sort of thing. Right. Like, I mean, more and more hospitals are buying up these little practices, like why not become really business savvy with your primary practice that yeah. you already know how to run. You already have, I just interviewed another person who really did made her living that way and retired at 53, you know? So, so there's yeah. various, I guess what we're trying to say is there are various ways of doing it. And each person has to find what fits in with what feels true to them. Uh-huh. But again, you know, really going back to saying, you know, first, like, don't throw numbers off your head, right? Because honestly, Christopher, I look at money as a hung, like a hungry ghost, right? Because you, there is, you, there's literally the, you know, theoretically speaking, there is literally the possibility of making infinite amount of dollars, right? Like, uh-huh. you know, what I just read, you know, Elon Musk now just beat Bezos as the richest man, and he's like 300 billion or whatever. So <laughs> it's an example of, you know, like you said, consumerism, capitalism, you know, this whole thing of, I want more of the chunk, right? And I'll be honest, that doesn't sit very well with me. You know, I don't want 300 billion. Like I wouldn't know what to do with that money, seriously, right? I mean, it it brings a whole other layer of complexity. Like, you know, Warren Buffett turned over his 
um, you know, his money to the Bill Gates Foundation because he said, for me, making money, the making money part was easy. The spending is hard because he wanted to make sure he, you know, was contributing to charitable organizations and he didn't want to take the trouble of vetting them, right? So he did the smart thing and he was like, you take my money and figure out how to like give it to, you know, for good purposes because I do want to bring up that philanthropy piece, right? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, we're smart. We're physicians, we do have the capacity to make a lot of money. And you're right, once we have, you know, whether we feel it's a million to five or, you know, 10 million or whatever it might be, when it goes beyond that, can we start thinking about how we give back to society, right? Because look at the state the world is in right now, right? Right, yeah. I mean, how does that feel? I, I just don't, I'll give you an, a quick example. One of the richest men in India, he built this, it's like a 33 store, because you know, in Bombay, there's no land, right? You can't go, you know, like Hong Kong and places, you can't go horizontal, you gotta go vertical, right? right? He built this 33 or 35 story, quote unquote, house, that like whole place is his, right uh -huh. in the middle of one of the biggest slums in Bombay. Oh, gee, okay. So, right? So yeah. what, you know, every time I see that picture, it just brings up so much, it brings up bile in my throat. Right. right. Because what are you saying to the world? You know what right. I mean? And yes, money is important. Of course, it's important. And of course, we all want to have a good lifestyle. But at some right. point, like, don't let money become the hungry ghost, right? Don't get to the point where, because you can get to this point, like we said, of the hedonic treadmill, where even when you reach that 10 million, then the next is like, oh, I want 50 million. And then you get to 50 and then 100. And you're never happy because you can right. never feel that hungry ghost. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, um, uh, like I said, um, I, I was fortunate because my, my dad, he, 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 uh, when I was, when we were kids, he would force us to um, invest our time into giving back. So, uh, you know, even, even if when we had no money, I would, yeah, I would go to the, uh, homeless shelter or the food shelters and, you know, volunteer my time. So that taught me the, the value of always giving back. Um, for me, uh, generating income and passive income, it's, it's fun. It's a process. Uh, the rewards are nice. Uh, but like I said, you know, once you achieve a certain level, then, um, so that's why in 2016, I decided to step away and take a year off and reassess my life because, um, I, up to that point, I was just selfishly accumulating and achieving for myself. And so I wanted to uh, more contribute and give back on a grander scale. So it really wasn't about the, the money or, you know, the next 10, 5 million or 10 million. It was just more about, you know, sharing and helping others. And um, especially because back in 2008, when I stepped away from my career, that was, that was unheard of, you know, yeah. it's it almost uh, sacrilege to do that sort of thing. But, uh, but now, you know, a lot of physicians are becoming more aware of these types of issues. And um, so that's, that's why, you know, from 28, you know, to 2020, you know, I want to share my struggles and my, um, my experience and give back as well. So, and then, you know, give, yeah. And then also give back to, you know, give back to charity, uh, you know, give back to causes that you're passionate about, you know, that's all part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I just needed to go there, you know, because I like I said, I'm seeing too much noise on 
on all these new social media too, right? Mm -hmm. Like just how can we make more and more and more? And it's like, at some point, you're going to realize that happiness is not tied to your net worth, right? Like it's a completely different, you know, once you've achieved that, it's a completely different stratosphere you're in, in terms of, of happiness and joy and wellness and balance, like, like we've talked about. So, so Dr. Lou, that's been such a fun conversation. Can you yeah. tell our audience where they can find you, how, if they want to work with you or if they want to get some mentorship from you or some words of advice, because clearly you're a very accomplished young man. <laughs> You've done a lot <laughs> in your life and you have so much to offer the world. Um, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can go on to Instagram and uh, my channel is Dr. Chris Lou, MD, PhD. So um, that uh, I'm on Twitter as well, the same handle, uh, LinkedIn. Um, you can Google my name. Uh, you can go to Amazon, watch, see my four books. And my email address is um, Christopher Lou, MD, PhD at gmail.com. So anyway, I'm actually, uh, you know, that's uh, I'm very easily accessible and I, you know, I readily respond. So uh, Facebook as well. You can type in Christopher Liu, uh, my Facebook page as well. So, um, you know, any of the major social media outlets I'm, I'm on there. Wonderful. Do you have any sort of um, programs that are coming up or, you know, masterminds or anything like that, that you'd like to um, let our audience uh, know about as well? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we just finished up a um, workshop uh, last month on uh, short-term rentals and this uh just this past weekend, um, I did a workshop on um, how to write your book in 30 days or less. And then uh, I have an upcoming workshop on getting started as a consultant in 2021. So uh, I do these uh, monthly masterminds. And then, uh, but there's also, also um, there's uh, weekly webinars as well as uh, monthly workshops as well. So reach out to me and I'll, I'll tell you about, you know, all the programs and all the schedules. Wonderful. So great. Well, it was such a pleasure having you on board. I think we had a pretty deep-ish conversation around all things finance related. (laughs) (laughs) The conversation might have gone in certain directions that we didn't expect, but I think that's the beauty of podcasting, you know, where we just chat like old friends and bring our views to the table. And hopefully people who are listening to this will subscribe, will rate it, will review it and reach out to you for help as well. And, uh, you know, we're just here to spread our knowledge and and share the wealth, if you will, right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And if any of the uh, audience members are inclined in videos, I also have a YouTube channel as well. So that's, that's growing in numbers and I'm putting out a video every week, so. Wow, you're, you're prolific, I tell you. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So do you have any last minute thoughts or um, words of advice for, for, for me or for the audience? We'd love to hear that. Yeah, I think, um, well, I, I like this idea of um, minimalism and uh, stoicism. And uh, I, I really like this idea of um, balance and wellness and really... Um, Uh, taking things in moderation and, you know, sort of step, stepping back and assessing, you know, what are the the underlying messages that were being fed and sort of being able to recognize those and make um, conscious, consciously aware choices. I love that. Yes. Too much noise. Sometimes they're in the space and we can't hear ourselves. Listen, we can't hear our own voice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Lou. It was such a pleasure having you on board. 
Thanks. Thanks so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you.